Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, last week before church, I was at the gym. I try to get to the gym before church. I'm not telling you just so that I look good, um, although that is part of the reason I'm telling you. But I like, I like to kind of turn up and feel, you know, really ready and prepared for whatever God's going to do. I want to be in the zone. And last week I was in the gym and I went on the Smith machine to do some bench presses and I can do like five kilograms all by myself because uh, I'm pretty hench. And... Um, so I, I kind of, I, I, I let it, the weight come down. And as I took the weight, this little thought came into my head. And it said, this feels a little bit heavy today. And, and I did that whole kind of, like most of the guys who had done the same thing, you'd be like, do you know what? You know, just push through. You know, go hard or go home. Uh, I can do anything through Christ if you're spiritual. So I was like, I can, I can do this. So I let it down and it got to my chest and I went to push up. And nothing. <laughs> like my arms are shaking, my chest is really hurting, and I'm like, this thing is not moving anywhere. And it's a Smith machine. So if you don't know what a Smith machine is, it's got these runners on the side which are there to protect you. Uh, but because it's attached on the sides, I can't even roll it down my body. This these weights are literally trapped on top of me, and I'm feeling them crushing me and. And it was a bit of a nightmare, if I'm honest. And I didn't want to call for help. Uh, I didn't want to like, let anybody know. And, and eventually, uh, like, some guy walked past and he saw me. And he came over very graciously and, and with like, one hand lifted the bar <laughs> off me. And I was devastated and said, oh, yeah, did 99. And the last one was too much. <laughs> and, and I quickly got out of the gym and vowed never to go back. So I've changed my gym. Uh, but no, I haven't. I was there this morning. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is that as I was praying and preparing today, I felt like maybe there are people who are here today who feel that kind of weight in life. That maybe you're here and, and you just feel like life is too heavy and is overpowering. And, and it's overwhelming. And maybe it's not even you can say that you can articulate what it is. Maybe it says a sense of hollowness or this sense of emptiness. And it's like it holds you down. And you, you might feel trapped. And you might feel like there's no way out. And I want to talk today about something that I don't think we talk about in church. Really ever. I can't think when I've ever heard anybody speak about this. And that's, that's despair or, or clinical depression. And I think we don't talk about it because we don't really know what to do with it. You know, I don't know that we understand it fully. We don't understand the complexity of it. That it is a biological thing, that it's, it's an emotional thing, it's a mental thing as well as a spiritual thing. And I feel like we have, the church as a whole has, has maybe not dealt with this well. We've said to people, you know what, just go and read the Bible. You know, just, just go and pray more. Maybe you're not being spiritual enough. And we kind of add this shame and this stigma to people who are already struggling. And we forget that the Bible is full of people who have these kinds of difficulties. 
you know, page after page. It's not that one person has this amazing life and the next one has this, this really difficult time. It's like each person has this, this full spectrum of human emotion. And it's a huge thing in our society. I was reading this week that one in five adults will suffer with some kind of mental illness. If you're a young adult, it goes up to one in four. Prince William on Facebook put out a post. He was saying that the biggest killer of young men below the age of 40 is depression. Not guns, not diseases, not car crashes, not smoking. It's depression. And yet we don't, we don't really talk about it, do we? And I want to ask you before I, I get into the Bible, before we start looking at this, I want to ask, I guess, a favor of you right off the bat. Because from what I know of depression and despair, uh, the, those hardest moments are the moments when you feel most alone. They're the moments when you feel like people least understand you, that they least get you. And they're the moments you feel most disconnected. And so as I'm speaking, if, I'm, if I say something that you agree with, like, can you say yes? Can you say, aha? Uh-huh? Can you say, me too, or something? Can, can, can you participate? Can you agree? Because there are going to be people here today who need to know that they're not the only ones who feel this stuff. There's going to be people here today who are going to need to know that you know that truth too, that you've experienced that victory too. There's going to be people here who need some of your light and some of your encouragement. And I think that there's power in encouragement. There's power in this. It's every time you agree, it's like you're turning what we're saying into a prayer. And so can we do this together, not for my sake, but for the sake of everyone here who maybe has struggled, everyone here who needs that encouragement. We'll do that together. Are you good for that? Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm being called white boy from the front. Uh, um, I want to look today at the story of a man called Elijah. And, And my prayer is that this story will be a little bit of a beacon of light for you in dark times. And it's in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. If you've got a Bible, you can be looking for it right now. And it's a story of a prophet. And this guy, Elijah, he is like the Don. He is the boss. He is the best prophet that you could imagine. He goes around like raising people from the dead. He gets hungry, so he doesn't kind of phone dominoes. He prays and ravens kind of come and bring him meat and good food. He's like, he is awesome. This guy is absolutely immense. And his, his career, it peaks at this, this battle, this showdown on top of a mountain called Carmel. And it's him against 900 150 other prophets and he's like my God is way better than your God let's 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 prove it let's let's show how this is going to work and so he says to them you create a sacrifice and and pray and if your God comes and brings fire then he wins if my God brings fire and burns a sacrifice my God wins and so these prophets, they, they, they get everything ready, they get the sticks, they get the sacrifice, and they start praying, and then they, like, they start cutting themselves up because they believe that, that God's only respond to suffering and pain. And so they're cutting themselves and they're hurting themselves, and this is going on for hours and hours, and they're bleeding out, and it's really bad. And like, their gods aren't responding because they don't exist. 
And it's really awkward. And then Elijah, he's like super confident. He walks in, he's like, well, maybe uh, they're indisposed. You know, maybe, that, maybe they popped out for milk. You know, like he's, he's taunting these guys. He's like, your, your God's are rubbish. He's like, let me show you how it's done. He gets water, he makes it harder for himself, pours water all over the wood. And then he just prays a super simple prayer. And God sends down fire. And everyone is like, oh, your God is amazing. And they repent. And it's like this moment of like just absolute victory. Everything that you could have imagined, it worked out for him. And he is like on, on high. I would have been like, let's all go out. We're going to party. We're going to celebrate. This is the moment. And then that is exactly what happens when we get to the beginning of 1 Kings 19. And this is what it says. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went all alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. How did he get there? From the top of the mountain to under a tree asking God to take his life. And he's not the only prophet in the Bible who prays this prayer. Moses prays it. He says, Lord, take my life. Jonah prays it. Like he's, he's withdrawn. He takes him away from everybody. He is exhausted and he is broken. And he hits rock, rock bottom. And I want you to know today that success will not immunize you to depression. Success will not stop you from experiencing despair and depression. Elijah is like the most successful prophet you can imagine. And if you look at the lives of other people in, in society, people like Robin Williams, you know, who, whose life is probably the kind of life lots of us here would look at and say, I wish I could have had that kind of life. But it didn't prevent him from depression and despair. See, the truth is, you need to learn how to deal with these emotions before you ever reach success, because it will follow you all the way there. Some of you are here and you're like, well, you, know, you don't know me, Ben. You don't know my life. You don't know my family. You don't know my home. If you lived my life, you would be experiencing depression as well. If you were me, you would be experiencing despair as well. It's, it's, it's my situation. But the thing is, depression isn't an external thing. It's an internal thing. If you look at Elijah, like his life, he, he would have had such a great life. And it wasn't even that this voice of Jezebel was what caused him to experience this. It was the voices inside him that echoed everything that she was saying. Success will not immunize you from depression. And so he is, he is withdrawn. He is, he is tired. And he's just completely isolated himself. In verse 5, I'll continue. There he lay down and slept under the broom tree. 
But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. This is the same place where Moses was given the Ten Commandments, the place where he heard the voice of God for himself. And where does Elijah choose to go? There he came to a cave, the darkest, the most depressing place he can find, possibly on the mountain, where he spent the night. But... The Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You who I've used so greatly, you who've seen so much victory, you who've seen all this breakthrough. What are you doing here, here in a cave where it smells and it's moist? And that's a word lots of people don't like. And Elijah replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And as I read this, I wonder, why would God not choose to speak through the storm? Why would God not choose to speak through the fire? And as I think about it, Elijah has seen God's power. He's seen God's presence. He knows that God is almighty, so, so he didn't need a storm. He knew that God could, could, could do anything with the earth. He'd been fed by ravens. He knew that God was the God of nature. He didn't need an earthquake. On the top of that mountain, God's fire had already poured down. He didn't need God's fire. Why did God choose to speak in a whisper? Because a whisper shows that you're close. You can shout in a storm. But if you whisper, that's showing how close you are to that person. So often, in our darkest moments, we think that it's a sign that God is far away. I want you to know that the hollowness that you feel is not a sign of God's absence. It's a sign that you're human and you're broken, just like every single one of us. God is not far because he can whisper to you even now. 
Imagine, imagine you stepped on a landmine and you lost your leg and you blew off one of your legs. You would be living life, loving Jesus with one leg. With one leg. Nobody would come up to you and be like, hey Ben, like, where's the leg? Where's the leg? Like, don't you love Jesus? Where's the leg? I, th- I thought you loved Jesus. Where's your leg, man? You'd be like, no, no, I, I stepped on a landmine. I-, I only have one leg. But aren't you sincere? The Bible says Jesus will make all things new. Where's your leg, dude? I'd be like, <clears throat> security. Uh, there's a weirdo right at the front right now. We need immediate evacuation. Thank you very much. Like, we would never do that. But some of us today, we're walking around spiritually, emotionally, like we've got one leg. And people say to us, like, well, well, you should be running. Aren't you sincere? Don't you have Jesus? You should be just going for it. Where's your faith? But we're not machines. You know, God deals with us tenderly and carefully. And yes, the healing has begun, but it might not come straight away. Because he is going to love you through the entire process. Just because you feel this, it doesn't mean God's far. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It just means you're broken. In fact, you know what? There's some people who, who go through life and they're like, they judge their spiritual maturity on the highs. You know, it's like, oh, everything's great today. I had an amazing worship session at church. Tina and the band completely smashed it. God is good. But that's not a sign of spiritual maturity. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. If you judge where God is based on your highs and lows, you don't have more faith. You're just a slave to your emotions. That's all that it is. So God speaks to Elijah in a whisper. What? are you doing here, Elijah? And I think Elijah thinks that God's actually asking him the question. It's not rhetorical. Because he answers again. And he says exactly the same thing. He's like, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. He says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. That's true. He says, the people have broken their covenant. That's true. They've torn down your altars, true, and killed every one of your prophets. That's true. I'm the only one left. False. False. It's not true. You see, when you have these moments, you lose perspective. You feel like everything is against you, and you feel like the crisis is pervasive and permanent, like it's never going to get any better. And it's really hard to hear, but you need to hear, it's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you think. You need to change your perspective. And the thing is, in those dark times, we don't want to hear that. That's why we isolate ourselves. It's why we pull ourselves away, because we don't want to get told it's all going to get better. And we feed ourselves with these kind of words, you know, like, I'm the only one. All of the responsibility is on me. If I don't do it, no one's going to do it. I'm the only one who understands this stuff. Everyone's against me. It's just me trying to sort this all out and no one's on my side. And it's not true. It's not true. Verse 18, God God corrects him. He says, do you know what? I've got 7,000 like you. 
There's 7,000 other people who have been faithful. There's 7,000 other people. You're not the only one. You're not even like 10%. You're not 1%. You're more like 0.1%. I've got all of these people. We need to learn how to change our perspective. We need to learn how to see the truth for how it is. And we need to learn how to allow people to speak that into our lives. I think it's why it's so important that we're around the right people. You know? And then what God does, I think, is incredible. He says to Elijah, he says, there's another guy. And you're going to really like him because his name sounds just like yours. He's called Elisha. And that's a great name because my son's middle name is Elisha. And he says, I want you to go and find Elisha. I want you to invest in somebody else. I am not done with you yet, Elijah. This is not where you end. This is not your final place. There is so much more for you to give. There is so much more in you that you can invest. So I want you to go. I want you to find somebody else and I want you to pour your life into them because your legacy is not written yet. The best is still to come. This moment that feels dark, that feels like it's full of despair, this is not the defining moment of your future. I have got more for you coming, Elijah. Get up. Get out of this cave and find somebody to invest in. And I want to tell you that today, if you're feeling this despair, it's not as bad as you think. It's going to get better. You're going to get through this. And God has got so much more for you planned. Now, whether you experience this yourself, or whether you know other people who experience depression, it's going to touch you at some point somehow in your life. And I want to give you uh, just a few tips on how we can respond to this, how we can help people uh, to, to deal with depression. And um, I'm going to speak as if you're the one dealing with it. And you can take a photo of this. You can, you can, you can keep this in your back pocket. And um, all of this I'm taking out of the text. All of this comes from the story. And the first thing I want you to say to you is, if you're dealing with depression, you need to get some rest. You need to get some rest. I love that God doesn't come straight in and, and just be like, get out of bed, Elijah. Get up, you lazy, good-for-nothing, whatever. He's like, no, rest. God is so practical. He understands we're humans. Get some rest. The second thing he says is get some food. If anyone here today has turned up and they're like, I want a Bible verse that I can memorize, put on my fridge like a life verse, choose this one, 1 Kings 9 verse 6. Get up, get some food. What a good verse. I'll hold on to that. But God doesn't come in and start preaching at him. He's not, he's not like, oh, Elijah, you need to read Deuteronomy chapter 10. He's not like, he doesn't judge him. He's like, get some food. Get well. He says, get some perspective. He takes Elijah through this whole cave journey. And, and, and he gives him perspective. You need to get some perspective. You need to find those people who are going to speak some truth. And you actually have to be vulnerable. You have to open up your soul and say, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to hear this, even though it's not what I'm feeling, even though it's not what I'm seeing right now. I'm going to open myself up because I need a new perspective. And the fourth thing I want to say is you might need help. You know, God didn't just leave Elijah to sort it out. God stepped in. If you're dealing with depression, 
if you're having thoughts about ending your life, there's no shame. Go to a doctor. There's no shame. Go speak to somebody, get some counseling. That's okay. We do it. It's not a sign that you're far from God, it's a sign that you're a human. If you've got a broken leg, you're not like, well, Jesus is saving me, I'll be all right, get some help. It's okay. The fifth thing I want to say is get some people around you. Get into community. Robin Williams, before he died, he said, he said, I used to think that being alone was the worst thing in life, but I was wrong. The worst thing in life is being around people that make you feel alone. You know, you can be sitting in a crowd and feel completely alone. But I want to say, we, we don't want this church to be that church. We want you to know that you're needed here, that you're loved here, that you're welcomed here. We, we will accept you. You can just come. You don't have to be right. You just have to be present. I, the church should be the once and forever sign that you never have to be alone in this world. Don't be alone. Get around people. You know those people who most of us, if I'm honest, don't really like because they're all smiley and chirpy and positive all the time? Get around them. Find some of them and just hang out with them. And let them just speak their positivity over your life and and just let that rub off on you. But you need to get back around people. And then get back to work because you are not done yet. Get back. You know, significance and fullness in life, it doesn't come from having the best job. It doesn't come from, from success or promotions or all of those things. I believe it comes from fulfillment in what you're doing. And I believe that that comes from, from working for Jesus and finding His call for your life and investing and having a life that's bigger than just you, but is about blessing other people. And so look, say, who can I invest something in? You know, get involved with the youth. Get some young people around you. Share with them. Get get with the kids. Go and invest what you know in the children. Help them discover this God. Get on a formation course. Become a teacher. Who are you investing in? How is your life bigger than you? And finally, number seven. You need to be careful who you listen to. When Elijah listened to God, his life was sky high. When he listened to Jezebel, it crashed and burned. Whose voice do you listen to? And you might have these echoes from your childhood. Teachers, parents, friends who have spoken things over you. Maybe you still hear those today. And you need to listen to a new voice. You need to hear the voice of Jesus. Because Jesus says, it gets better. Jesus says, I have more for you. Jesus says, I have hope. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, I am here, I am with you, I am working on your behalf. And if you're here today and and all you're hearing is my voice, I want to tell you that. I want to tell you that there is a glorious future ahead of you. That there is more. That you're not finished. That God has great things for you. You are not done. 
Listen to a new voice today. Choose which voice you're going to listen to. You know, despair and hope is not like you just go in like a roller coaster of one than the other. Often they're like two tracks of a train. They're there every single day next to each other. And you have to choose which one you're going to feed. Am I going to feed the despair? Or am I going to listen to a new voice who's going to feed hope? Who's going to feed purpose? Who's going to feed passion and direction for my life? And I want to I say right now at this point of the service, like, if you don't know Jesus, I don't even know how you do this. I, I have no idea how you get through those hard times. And I know for me in my life, I've had times where I've felt like I've under that weight. And I felt like I don't even know that I want to go on. And, and sometimes it's not even tangible, right? It's like it just happens. It's like... It's just the heaviness. And every single time for me, I come back to Jesus. And he, and he doesn't come as a storm. He doesn't come and just kick me out of bed and say, fix it. He comes as a still small voice saying, I'm not finished with you yet. There is more. And however you're feeling, if, if you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, I just, I just want to take this opportunity to give you a chance to say, I'm, I'm not going to go through life without him. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this voice in my life. And that's the gospel. It's not a gospel that says, I'm just going to fix you like this. It's a gospel of a God who says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to come right into your situation. And I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to have relationship with you. So I'm just going to ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your head. And I'm going to count to three. Just do a one, two, three count. And if you're here today and you're saying, I just want Jesus in. And maybe you've never asked him to be Lord of your life. Maybe you've never invited him in. Or maybe you did years ago. And as you look, you realize that you've just walked away. You've become distant and you let go. I want, I want to give you a chance to say, today is the day. Today is the day when everything changes, when I get out of this cave and I pursue the life that God has for me. Three, Jesus loves you so much. Two, Jesus came down from heaven into our brokenness, into our sin, into our mess. And he died for every single one of us one if you want to say today i'm going to make a decision to follow this jesus wherever you are just raise your hand right where you are and we're going to bring over a book to help you and we're going to come and pray with you so just lift it nice and high thank you i just give you one more moment before we move on into some worship if you today want to say today's the day Great, if you lifted your hand, someone from the welcome team will come round. We're going to stand and we're going to go into worship. And as we do, so please stand with me. As we do, I want, I want to talk to you about something I heard this week and I believe it's true. And that's like that there's a part of our brains which is a bit like a cup. And it, it literally can catch our emotions. 
And the person who was telling me this, um, they said that, that if we try and take out some of the, the difficulties and the darkness and, and the despair, it, it's impossible. It's impossible to get in and, and kind of claw it out. But what you can do is you can fill it with something new. And you can fill it with something positive and something exciting and something faith-filled. And what that does is it's like it fills the bottom of the cup and it rises up. And what you find is that the stuff at the top pours out and it dissipates. And so as we go into worship, I'm, I'm not going to apologize that we're going to worship with some joy. You know, I'm not going to apologize that we're going to sing some songs like we mean it. Because we, we're not going to finish today down here. We finish up here. Are you with me? So we're going to sing. I love the Psalms. There's so many of the Psalms. It's like David, he starts and he's like, God, why have you forsaken me? And by the, same of that, by the end of that Psalm, he's like, you have not. You are with me and you are glorious and you are magnificent and you are the Lord of this earth and you are my love. And that is what we're going to do right now. So we're going to sing, but we're going to just sing out. And if you don't feel it, we're going to sing it in faith. And if you do feel it, we're still going to sing it in faith. And as we sing, if you feel like you need some prayer, come down. But don't come down straight away. Sing first and then come down and we want to pray with you. Praise God. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.